0: foundation and givers like you <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah 18 uh, 1 through 11 is one of the more famous passages out of the book of Jeremiah as I read it you will have heard it probably uh, but if you haven't you will have heard some ideas and some songs that have been written because of this passage of scripture. Jeremiah um, wasn't a bullfrog He was a prophet, at least in this case. And he is prophesying during a time of great turmoil in Judah, which is one of the kingdoms of the Israelite people. And Jerusalem was about to fall. And he prophesied prior to, during, and after the fall of Jerusalem. Listen uh, to this portion of his prophecy, Jeremiah 18, 1-11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel? just as this potter has done? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring to And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if that does, but if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I intended to do to it. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord. Look, I'm a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage to try and apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Every week, as I'm preparing to preach, um whatever text that I'll be preaching from, I end up, some, well not every week, but oftentimes I end up in a wrestling match with God. Because I try to find hope in the passages that I'm reading that I'm going to be preaching on. I I don't want to stand up here and preach condemning kinds of sermons, and I don't want you to walk out of here feeling worse about yourself than what you walked in. And this one is hard to do that with sometimes. If you just read the last uh, verse, I'm a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. And then you all were like, yeah, that's the word of God. Yeah. (laughs) I hope that you find hope in this passage this morning because I know I did as I was reading it the last few weeks and, and meditating on it and then studying it and preparing this sermon. I feel really hopeful and more hopeful maybe than I have in quite some time. When I was in sixth grade, i had Miss Dunaway for my art teacher. She had nasty coffee stains on her teeth. I related to Ms. okay. She had, and her breath just smelled terrible. She would lean down next to you as you were trying to draw or paint or whatever it is that she had for us to do. It was like this really bad mixture of cheap cigarettes and cheap coffee. You know, like it was bad, and so you just kind of didn't ask for help. But I remember one day, she started talking about next week, We're gonna get to throw pottery, and I was super excited. But I found out the next week that throwing pottery didn't mean what I thought it meant. (laughs) Apparently, in uh, potter's speak, throwing pottery is like the magic that they do on a potter's wheel, where they shape the pottery and whatever. Don't ask me why they call it throwing it. Nothing gets thrown except the pottery that I try to make. Any move that I made was magnified. Like I felt like any swipe of my hand was like 10 swipes of my hand. I I don't know if I had too much pressure on the thing. I don't know if like I was moving too fast or too slow. I I never could quite figure it out and we never did anything with our pottery. We just got to play around with it. So it wasn't like I was actually trying to make something, but I did want to impress everybody with my skill, you know? And, And the idea that I had in my brain definitely didn't come out of my hands, which happens to me more often than not. Even when I'm on my yard, sometimes when I'm finished, I'm like, huh, it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. Clay is supple and it's stretchy, but that doesn't mean it's easy to work with. Jeremiah watched the potter at work, and I think immediately the analogy came to his mind. The pottery and clay and human beings are very similar. And it's not hard to find because I'm sure Jeremiah was aware of our creation story where God grabs the clay and pulls it together and breathes life into it. And so it's been around for a long time, this analogy. And sometimes pots that potters are making get marred on the wheel and sometimes we as humans are marred because of things that happen to us. Sometimes we do the good that we're created to do, and sometimes we do the evil that we were not created to do. With clay, potters can roll it back up and mix some water into it and knead it together and get the bubbles out of it and start to turn it into something else again. But it doesn't seem to be so easy with humans because once we're made, we're kind of made. The thing about pottery is that it gets fired, and it gets hardened, and it stays in the shape that it's in, and it just creates beauty around it. The pottery vases that we have at my house are beautiful on their own, and they <coughs> put flowers into them, and sometimes it's like the vase makes the flowers prettier, and sometimes it's like the flowers make the vase prettier. They really work together well. The human beings, when we become hard, and we become set, and we become immol- in and where we're not able to be molded, and when we become inflexible, and when we stop being supple and, and easily changed, we're dead, literally. We go into rigor mortis and we don't move anymore. And so when we as human beings become that way with our souls and with our spirits and, and with, our, with our discipleship as Christians, we become dead in our faith we have to stay mobile, we have to stay flexible, we have to stay supple, we have to be able to be shaped and molded. Our success as a species is remarkably connected to our ability to adapt and to change. We live in climates all over the world, even the harshest of climates people can live in and sometimes even thrive there. We've created tools, we've shared stories, we've shared information, we continue to teach people and build on the learnings of generations from the past, and we know that the generations ahead of us will build on the things that we're learning today. We have stayed adaptable, and that's one of the things that allows us to change. Except maybe in the U.S. Senate, right? You got that? Unfortunately, we sometimes use our remarkable adaptability and God-given freedom in destructive ways. There is zero doubt that all of us have experienced what destructive and evil actions can do. to me. Sometimes we even mark time by evil things that have happened in our world. Maybe not sometimes, maybe most of the time. Can you remember exactly where you were if you were alive on 9-11? And I know the generations that were around when assassinations of presidents occurred can remember exactly where they were when they heard about those particular assassinations. I can remember where I was When I heard about the Oklahoma City bombing, I can remember where I was standing as I was watching the news of the first mass shooting of modern times at Columbine High School. I can remember exactly where I was when I heard about the shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. I know exactly and will never forget exactly where I was sitting when I heard about the shooting in El Paso. We can mark time by the evil things that happen in our world and all around us. But I'm struck by Jeremiah because he never loses hope. He never stays in that place of marking time by evil and just calling out the evil. He has this hope that God continues to shape us and that God is not finished with us yet. I think maybe one of the greatest of all human problems that we have is hopelessness. Have you ever heard somebody say it's no use? Change just isn't possible for me. I've already gone to therapy, it just doesn't work for me. I've tried every diet known to humanity, it just won't work for me. The problems of the world are too big, we can't do anything about it. Other people may be able to change, but not me, I'm some sort of special case. I can screw up anything. I think that the national mood right now is so negative that we become skeptical of people who have hope. Last summer, my family and I went on vacation to New Orleans. Yes, we're crazy. We went to New Orleans in the summertime on vacation. And I learned something while I was there that uh, I learned more about recently. But when I was a kid, there was an irrigation canal that ran past the little league that I played baseball And one of the things the kids in my neighborhood always liked to do was to catch what we called crawdads out of the canal. And we would, you just take some fishing line or a fishing pole and you'd put a hook on it and you'd put a piece of bacon on the end of it and you would put it down in the water and you would just sit there and hang out with your friends and then you would pull it out every so often and, and pretty often there would be a crawdad, as we called them, that had attached itself to the bacon. And you'd throw the crawdad in a bucket and then you would do it again. Now we didn't do anything with the crawdads except play with them and let them pinch our fingers and see how bad it hurt and see who was the bravest to pick up the biggest, nastiest one, you know, and then they would usually die and and they would be fed to the birds or something, but in in Louisiana they eat those things, you know, and they're good and they farm them and they catch them and I remember reading about the, the farm of crawdads and how they catch them and they build traps and the traps are something like a crab trap. It has a long funnel that goes in and a hole at the end of the funnel and they put bait inside it and those crabs or crawdads or lobsters or whatever they're trying to catch crawl in and they go through the smaller hole and they get inside and they can crawl out but they don't. A few of them will crawl up and escape But as they're crawling up the side of the walls and trying to get out of the trap, other crabs or crawdads are grabbing them and pulling them down. Brings new meaning to calling somebody crabby, right? (laughs) Because we're trying to pull ourselves up and out of these situations. We have hope that we can get out, but there are people who just want to keep pulling us down. Don't be those people. Don't be a crabby person. Be a person who's filled with hope and love and grace and believes the gospel of Jesus Christ that things do get better. The resurrection happens. You know that's the whole story, right? Days of darkness come. but resurrection happens. The darkness does not win because resurrection happens. Listen, to Psalm 139, if you need to know why we can have hope and where our hope comes from, listen to these verses from Psalm 139. The psalmist writes this, O Lord, you search me and you know me. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with my ways. But before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, O Lord. For you created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And now we say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You didn't say it. <laughs> I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The darkness can't win. The psalmist writes that the darkness is as light our God our creator who knew us when we were knitted together in our mother's womb who knows our comings and our goings there is no place that we can go that the presence of God is not already there there's no situation that we can encounter that the presence of God is not already in that situation please believe me because there are days that we i understand that i feel it too i know you feel it there are days that we feel hopeless. You hear the news of a friend or a friend of a friend completing suicide and it's like, what is happening? There's another mass shooting somewhere and we think we're never going to get to change anything. You go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with stage four or stage five cancer and you just feel completely hopeless. But there's always light in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. It can't happen. And I know some days that's hard to believe. My job as your pastor is to help connect (laughs) you in ways that help you believe on those days, because I believe with every single fiber of my being that if we all as individuals can do better and live more hope-filled lives, that the world gets better. Because hope is contagious also. Is it hard for you to believe that God made you and God knows you and loves you and is always there? hard for you to believe that. It's okay. Because we believe that. We'll believe that for you until you get out of that darkness. We will lead you and call you to the light. That's why it's so important to be in community with people who have hope. Our faith, that we call Christianity, is intensely personal, but it is meant to be lived in community. It's intensely personal because we feel the pain in ways that nobody else feels our own pain. It's intensely personal because we find hope in ways that other people around us don't find hope. But it's lived in community because on the days when we struggle to really hold on, other people will walk with us in the darkness. And they will shine light. I don't think that it's by accident that this imagery of a potter is used. I don't think it's by accident that Jeremiah is talking about a potter reworking clay. When we were created, the narrative goes, out of dust. My understanding is that when a potter finds the clay to stop being as flexible and as movable as they want it to be, you know what they do? They add water. I don't think it's by accident that we have this imagery, because it's in the waters of our baptism, that we find our being, that we find our hope. It's in this idea of death and resurrection, of being dead and being raised up. The waters of birth, the water that gives us life, the waters of creation are the same waters that flow today, are the same waters that Jesus was baptized in, and the same water that we're baptized in. It never changes as our God never changes. So yes, there is evil in this world. We have experienced it. I was talking between services with one of our friends, one of our brothers, and we were, I was saying, I believe in a real and literal hell because I've seen it. I sat in the living room with the parents of a boy who was in my youth group. And when he was in his early twenties, he completed suicide. And I sat in their living room and saw them literally sitting in hell. And it was my job to walk in there and sit with them in it and shine a light out. that hope within you, and you're walking in hope, and some crabby person comes along, tell them to turn off the TV, stop watching all of the news, and get out and talk to people who don't watch the news either. When you find yourself feeling hopeless, Plug yourself into a community of people who walk in the light as best as they can. Spend time in prayer. Go for a walk. List off 30 things that you're happy about. 30 things that you can rejoice about. 30 things that, that have brought you a smile. 30 th- and, and if, if you have to go back to the beginning of your life to find those 30 things, do it. Go serve someplace. Our world needs us. That hope And you, my sister.